I'm going to say a word and I want you to shout out the first thing you think of. Are you ready? Let's go. Motherhood. So what did you say? We're talking about it in this week's podcast episode with special guest, influencer Whitney Turner, in a conversation about the transition to motherhood and so much more. But first... The Lady Parts Doctor podcast is a health podcast focusing on issues that affect women and those assigned female at birth. However, it is for everyone. This is our safe place to talk about the things that matter to you involving your spiritual, mental, and physical health. It's not medical advice, it's medical information. We talk and I give you the evidence with a little of my personal and professional experience sprinkled in. So sit back, relax, grab your water, coffee, tea, wine, whatever it is, you know I've got my water bottle here, and let's go. Hello and welcome to the Lady Parts Doctor podcast. I am Dr. Stephanie Hack, the Lady Parts Doctor, and I am so happy that you are joining me today. I feel like we have not chatted in forever, and you know... You already know I love it when we chat. Last episode, we had a conversation about our personal scent. And if you don't know what the personal scent is, let me be a little more blunt for you. Our vaginal scent, the smell of our vulva and and vagina. I'll put them both together because they both contribute to the smell. That was such a great conversation. Y'all had me rolling rolling with all of the comments and all of your responses to what you think vagina smells like. So I love that. I love your connection. If you're new to the show, please connect. You can connect with me on um, Instagram via DM. You can email me, drhack at ladypartsdoctor.com. But like that is one of my most favorite things of the show. I always love to hear what you say. So this week we're talking about something different. I love to have a conversation about the experiences that we're going through. And it's been a while since I've talked about motherhood. My baby is, um, let's see, he's, is he 15 months? Oh, he might be 15 months now. And it's been a while since I've had a conversation about that motherhood transition, transition, but my motherhood transition, my third time motherhood transition is ongoing. It is something that does not end. And so we're talking about that today. With research showing that more and more young adults are opting not to have children and a U.S. fertility rate that has steadily decreased over the last decade, it got me wondering, why don't people want to have kids? A 2021 Pew Research survey found that 44% of non-parents ages 18 to 49 say it is not too or not at all likely that they will have children someday. That's an increase of seven percentage points from the 37% who said the same thing in 2018. And that is before the fall of Roe v. Wade. Furthermore, they found that 74% of adults younger than 50 who are already parents say they are unlikely to have more kids, which was virtually unchanged since 2018. Why don't people want to have kids, you ask? In this particular study, People gave multiple reasons without one standing out more than another. Medical reasons, financial reasons, single status, the state of the world, environmental reasons, partners age, and partners who don't want children. These were all listed as reasons for non-parents to remain childless. For people who were already parents, the answer was more simple. They just didn't want to. I mean, I get it. I'm in that group and I'm done. <laughs> So this got me thinking more about the topic of motherhood and what it means to be a mom. 
I love being a mother. And at times, I also miss the days when I wasn't a mother. I mean, it's really more missing the freedom. No one becomes a mother to be more glamorous or further their career. In fact, tending to your motherhood duties has often been used as an insult to the success of many a talented woman. Do you remember that line, that Carrie Hilson lyric, you need to go have some babies. She need to sit down, she fade in. In the 2009 Turning Me On remix, that line was rumored to be a Beyonce diss. I don't know if you remember that. And I get it, not that part, but I get it about motherhood. It's not a cakewalk and it can make you long for the days when you could just sit down. Don't believe me? <laughs> just go on Instagram and TikTok and search the hashtag motherhood motherhood life or mama life, you will be blasted with images and videos of women in various stages of acceptance of a new life where they are tired, no longer glamorous, and just happy to get a moment of time or a piece of food to themselves. But we're not all tired. We haven't all lost ourselves. In fact, for some of us, it's just a phase we pass through, if at all, a phase we pass through to get to the next destination, like driving through an underwater tunnel. And for that reason, I think it is so important to have the kind of conversation that we're having on today's episode. This is a conversation about the perception of motherhood. Whitney Turner, new mom, Instagram influencer, and self-proclaimed entrepreneur is speaking with me about how her perceptions of pregnancy and motherhood have changed now that she's a mom. It's a candid conversation that doesn't fit the tired mom trope and I am so here for it. Let's get into it. Hello, and welcome to the Lady Parts Doctor podcast. I am Dr. Stephanie Hack, the Lady Parts Doctor, and I'm so excited to have a special guest today with me on our episode. I am speaking with Miss Whitney Turner. She is entrepreneur, new mom, and basically we call that a mompreneur. Welcome, Whitney. Hey, how are you? <laughs> I'm well. How are you? Great. I'm great this morning. So today we're just chatting about the transition to motherhood. Whitney is, I mean, you don't have a newborn, but you're still a new mom. I think anybody in that first year of motherhood is technically a new mom. When was your baby born? April, April, 2023. So he just made six months. Okay. And that is a huge difference. I'm sure you are a very different person <laughs> now than you were six months ago. Definitely, 100%. <laughs> so what I want to know from you, like this morning, and I'll give an example first before I ask you this question, but this morning, for the second time this week, I found myself sitting in my minivan because I have a minivan now. I am that woman um, sitting in my minivan at my oldest child's school. And I was like waiting for a meeting with the principal that for all, not just like for my kid, but a whole bunch of parents were going to have a conversation with the principal. And I, I was like on Tuesday when I was there also waiting in my car for a Halloween parade and I had like snacks in the car. I'm like, when did I become a woman who sits in her car with snacks waiting for a Halloween parade, like at her kid's school? Like when, when did I become that woman? So today I'm like, and then here I am in the minivan. When did I become that woman? So we have so many ideas of what it's like to become a mother, a parent, and what that journey is like. And we often find ourselves in very different places. 
perfectly fine places later on. So I'm curious to know from you what your thoughts were about, we'll go all the way back. What were your thoughts about pregnancy before you became pregnant? Okay, so before I became pregnant, my thoughts on pregnancy was kind of just like, okay, like, I didn't really give it too much thought, honestly. I was just like, okay, you know, she's pregnant. I wasn't one of those people that was like, oh my gosh, congratulations, when are you due? Let me touch the belly. Do you know what you're having? I was kind of just like, okay, like, so when I thought about, you know, what it would be like when I had kids, it was more so like, okay, I want to be in this space. Like, I felt like I had to be a certain person, have a certain lifestyle, certain routine to even like be a mom. So, yeah. So you mean like that idea of like having it all together? Is that what you're kind of saying? Yeah, I had to have it all together, the routine, the lifestyle. I was like, I'm not going to work when I have kids. I'm going to just completely like stay at home, going to do the nursery. I'm going to just be like a home goods target. (laughs) Just like just living like a very soft life of just carefree, no stress. And that's so unrealistic. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, oh, that sounds like a very nice, like that's like ultra nesting. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So then what was your actual pregnancy experience like? Um, so my actual pregnancy experience, it was actually like really good. So I have like zero complaints except for like one thing, but I wasn't sick the whole pregnancy. Um, so that was awesome. I didn't have any like really like aches and pains and food diversions and like a lot that you know you just hear as soon as you look up like pregnancy Mm -hmm. so for a while I didn't even know I was pregnant um and then one day I took a test and I was just like no this can't (laughs) this can't be it and I just remember sitting on my steps like huh so of course like I ran upstairs like sweating and I took like another one and another one and I'm like okay all right and I think it took me like three days to really process mm-hmm. what happened. Cause I'm like, I feel the same. And I just didn't know like what to do or how to feel. But with the space that I was at in my life, I felt like this could be like a great new beginning, something that I actually needed in my life. So I took it from that perspective and pregnancy was really, really smooth. I worked until two weeks before I had the baby. Um, uh, The only like bad thing that happened was my sciatic nerve. I had like bad sciatic nerve pain in my Mm -hmm. back. Um, Labor was a breeze. Um, Postpartum is postpartum. Um, (laughs) Yeah. that but everything else I was like pleasantly surprised with the experience because so many people were projecting like oh you're gonna go through this you're gonna feel this this happened to me um whether you're gonna tear you're gonna be sick you're gonna be emotional angry like I just didn't feel any of that so it kind of shifted a lot in my mind and like as a person that to stop letting so much outside things in Mm -hmm. and like have my own experiences my own opinions and kind of just like be myself and like it was like creating a whole new family and an atmosphere kind of like a bubble but like my household so yeah 
I mean, you're so right. I think people trauma dump, yeah. you know, it's like their therapeutic experience, but I always feel like I'm like, don't put that on me. Like working in like a female based, like beauty industry, like so many females come and like, as soon as they noticed I was pregnant, they were like, that's all they wanted to talk about for hours on hours on like the day and what happened to them, their mom, their aunt, their sisters, their best friends. So it was like a lot. And I was just like, Ugh. <laughs> like no, thanks. <laughs> right. Cause you know, we're like sponges and I'm not, I really don't want to absorb your like negative energy or negative memory of an experience, you know? Yeah. We're like one and done, one and done. That's it. That's all like, and I'm just like, Oh, I want a family. Like I want kids. Like this is actually going really smooth. So I I have zero complaints about the actual pregnancy part. I felt like it is a beautiful experience overall because everybody's like, you feel beautiful when you're pregnant. I feel like sometimes you have to like really like stare at yourself sometimes like, wow, I'm really growing like a whole human, you know, your body goes through changes, but to like embrace it, you know, and know that everything is really temporary with this and, you know, you're actually a vessel. So that's the way I kind of looked at it. I love that. That's a a great experience. And you're kind of starting to talk about it already, but especially being in the beauty industry, you know, can you just talk a little bit more about being in an industry where how you look is such a big part of your work and you're projecting a look to other people, right? That's also part of your brand and your business. So how did you cope with the day-to-day? I mean, that is a, a brilliant perspective and I'm happy that you were able to have that, but can you just talk a little bit more about how you coped? with those changes, because many of them, you know, sometimes we're like, oh, there's the glow and there is a glow with pregnancy and the beautiful belly and the curves. But like, there's some other stuff that happens that is not traditionally thought of as beautiful. And, you know. So I feel like with the beauty industry, I felt like, and I, I always feel like, like my appearance has to be a certain way. Um, when it comes to like work but then I put into perspective with the beauty industry even though like for you know people who work nine to fives and have like regular jobs and careers like there's still like a certain type of energy that we put into ourselves and our look before we walk out of the house right Um, but kind of like being like an entrepreneur and in the beauty industry like you can you have more of like a range of what is aesthetically pleasing or acceptable um so I try to not get too comfortable on a day-to-day basis going into work (laughs) um of course when you're pregnant you don't feel like doing a lot all the time so I had some days where I was high energy I was trying to create content for my brand and my business so I was like done up like this um but then again like I went through this phase where all my clothes (laughs) (laughs) were like too small or too tight and I found myself like not really wanting to buy maternity clothes Mm -hmm. and pregnant during the winter so it was already cold so I was just like okay sweatsuits and like all black it kind of like helped but hats were my best friend um as far as hair um because like sometimes you just don't have the energy to get up like yeah I Tired. I mean, everybody is tired. I feel like when they're pregnant. Um, so my energy was lower. Um, oftentimes I was hungry. <laughs> I 
<laughs> so I was either trying to like rush out the house to eat before I went to work or like sneak away to eat. Um, I always had like a stain on anything white I wore. So I was just trying <laughs> to. <laughs> That's real. It is like the belly mark of stains. Um, so I was always trying to be like a little bit together, but I felt like when my appearance changed, people didn't even really, they weren't paying attention to how I looked. Mm-hmm. Like, I, like they used to, they were so worried about like, oh, the baby, like my belly. Um, oh, I remember. Um, so I felt like it made me very relatable to my clients in a different way. So mm-hmm. it took a lot of attention off being Whitney and like a service provider and me being more relatable as like also a mother. And I felt like I made more of a connection with my clients. Um than usual, um, even without like oversharing with them and things like that. So I feel like as my body changed and like I wasn't necessarily, you know, in my jeans or like my cute outfits, sometimes I was squeezing into my scrubs. Um, <laughs> I felt like they were just so happy to see me and to see like my belly grow and ask me questions, what's going on now? Like, um, and just share that it didn't even really matter, which was also kind of like humbling because like you said, like as a beauty professional, so many people are like, oh, you do eyebrows. Can I see your eyebrows or Mm -hmm. your lashes, your hair? Like they always want you to be the reference and representation of what you do. So I feel like that took like a huge, a huge load off me. Um, But it definitely kind of is like, a balance, you know, that I tried to kind of keep, but overall, I feel like it was just more relatable for them. So I, I kind of like that. They, they were like, girl, you know, you have all this on. I will be in my pajamas every day. And there's the days I went in with my pajama pants on I, and my North Face jacket. I can't mm-hmm. lie. They were just so impressed that like I was able to like come, you know, so yeah. <laughs> no, that makes that makes a lot of sense. And you know, I'm just thinking about because you said that I remember I had this patient. I mean, this is related but kind of unrelated. I had this patient and I was doing an exam. I had to, I think I was checking her cervix or something, and she was like completely shaven. And I was like, girl, you are in your third trimester of pregnancy, like how and like in shaven like she shaved and I'm like how did you get around the belly like how did you I I was impressed not because like I don't think people need to shave but I was impressed at the level of skill (laughs) (laughs) and effort that went into this process and you know the same thing the way you're just like the level of skill when people come in and they're still all pulled together like that just generally on a I mean I pull myself together but the degree to which you pull yourself together. I'm like, that has always impressed me. And to even see that someone doing that when they're pregnant and they're tired and they don't have the energy and they're, you know, on top of all of that. So that makes a lot of sense. And what about, I don't know if you saw, I think maybe it was a year ago or so, but on TikTok, everybody was talking about things like the pregnancy nose spreading. Oh, yes. So that was like a whole thing with social media. Um, I post, I, say I post a lot, but I'm like active on my story more so than like just actually posting like pictures and reels and videos. And so many people were like, like we talked about projecting. They're like, 
they're like, I can't really tell that you're pregnant in your face. Or they will hit me with the, you're glowing, sometimes your skin. And then some people were like, I can't wait till that nose spreads. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, can we not just wish that on me? Um, <laughs> just casually, and, and, just a casual, I hope your nose spreads and I can't wait yeah. to see it. <laughs> or I, oh my gosh, like, you know, just throwing my hair up. I'm like, thank goodness. I would make a joke. Like, thank goodness. Um, what I say, like I have edges, like, you know, that I could just throw it up and like be slightly disheveled, but you know, as girls, like just wait till they fall out postpartum. I lost all my, <laughs> I'm like, oh my, can I enjoy <laughs> this moment without living in fear or I would post like oh like my shoes of the day or like a quick like selfie or something like a full body picture and they'd be like I bet you're not gonna be able to wear your shoes anymore because your feet are gonna spread and say bye to that shoe collection and I'm like but none of that happened to me so I was extremely like my prayers worked but, but I can't imagine going through all those changes um because just thinking about it when somebody says something you literally just freeze and you're like what if that does happen like how would I feel you try to like picture it and you know I I commend anybody that has to go through that and like I empathize because that and every pregnancy is different so mm -hmm. I got lucky this time I may not <laughs> be lucky next time around but I just I can't imagine going through those changes, you know, and, mm -hmm. you know, the before and after, before I got pregnant, the after the side-by-side -side comparisons, I feel like sometimes social media can be kind of like cruel with that. Mm -hmm. um, um, And they don't really understand how some women are like, oh, I don't want to, you know, have any kids because I can't, I can't risk changing my whole body or, you know, the, the posts where they show like this extra skin and the stretch marks it well, this is my new mom body. I love it. And some people are like, in the comments, the comment section is always just special. Yes. <laughs> a special place. So I, I always like took it as grace. And like, you know, being on social media when you're pregnant, you, I feel like the algorithm starts showing you different things. Like it knows you're pregnant. So it's mm -hmm. showing you people, postpartum people, like the trends before and after, or it, it sometimes it started taking me to like a dark place about people who started losing children. Oh, and girl. I, like, or like defects. And I literally had to like get off social media for a while yeah. because I was, this is heavy. Like, I don't, like I said, like just protecting that space and like that energy when you're pregnant is like so important because there's so much outside, you know, coming into you. No, you are so on point with that. I think I started when I started social media or restarted because I have like my personal account, but I started an account for my business for Lady Parts Doctor. And when I started the account, I was pregnant. And so the whole first like year of Lady Parts Doctor and all my social media posts, like I probably start looking similar to this. Um, because I'm trying to think when I started in March of 20 I think it was March of 2022 I was um yeah like maybe maybe three months pregnant okay so so I start looking like this and if you follow like the progression the <laughs> face gets puffier and bigger and, and like and you know like I talked about being pregnant so and people weren't used to seeing me so it was a very natural like there wasn't really anything to say and I didn't have a ton of followers for people to say anything anyway but also I think I managed to escape a lot of the pregnant posts because I was a doctor. And so 
I didn't like, it was like, okay, obviously she's talking about these things because she's a doctor, not necessarily because she's pregnant. Although I was, um, and sorry, I'm like in the middle of my children are, um, snotty and they pass on their snottiness to anybody who's anywhere near them, including me. <laughs> so excuse me as I blow my nose. Um, but anyway, I think especially last year with all of the talk, and I don't know if you caught a lot of this, but like where we are having more of a conversation about the maternal mortality in black women. And it's such a necessary conversation because we need to enact change and you have to talk about it to find solutions. But as a pregnant black woman, that is very scary to go through that. And especially when you're constantly getting the news about it, and then you're seeing people talk about things on social media, like that is a very scary place to be. Um, very scary. Yeah. So I am happy that you had a very uncomplicated, uneventful pregnancy. And I'm claiming that for you for Thank your you. next pregnancy. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. And I mean, I never lost my edges in pregnancy. I, like, my- <laughs> no, I never, like I've had three children so far and I'm done not having any more kids. Let me specify not so far, but I've had, I have three kids. Um, and I never lost my edges. My nose never, never spread as far as I know, like it looks like the same nose to me. My feet did swell during my first, my first pregnancy only really. And then after postpartum with the, with all of them, but the, like those things just don't happen. Like you said, they don't happen to everybody. They don't happen every time. And I think of you as like, when I was pregnant, because all of my pregnancies happened when I was what we call um, advanced maternal age, I tried before and I've been pregnant before, but I miscarried. So when I finally got pregnant with pregnancies I kept, they were all advanced maternal age. So I always joked when I was pregnant, like pregnancy is for the young girls. <laughs> <laughs> like all the changes and things and like the number of aches and pains and adjustments. And I'm like, this is not, this is for the young girls, like the twenties girls. So you were a young girl and in my mind, you know, but I've had plenty of patients who had pregnancies at the ages I had pregnancies and older and didn't have the same experience and you know had uncomplicated no issues no aches and pains but that sciatica oh yeah it's it was actually really bad even up until like today and yesterday morning now it's off and on mm-hmm. um I was walking around with, like the little pregnancy like band to mm-hmm. like um because I'm rather tiny um so like to my he was big uh, he, I say he was big because I'm small. So like, uh, just to put on a scale, I'm probably I'm, before the baby, I'm like 120. And then he was, I gained about 18, 19 pounds. So he was about eight pounds, seven and a half, eight pounds. Um, and I was just all belly for real. Um, so like everything, I mean, I, I of course, everywhere you kind of get bigger, but like my back, it was just so heavy and a lot to carry. And they told me I had a posterior, is it posterior uterus, placenta uterus, posterior, like it was leaning to the back. Your oh, a retroverted uterus, meaning instead of tilting forward towards like your pubic bone, your uterus kind of like 
tilted backwards for anybody who's on the podcast and listening and not seeing the video. I literally just leaned my back backwards <laughs> with my arms in the air, like fallopian tubes and ovaries. <laughs> now you're going to have to watch the video on YouTube so you can see that action. But so you had a retroverted uterus. <laughs> so, um, even when it came to like feeling him move, I was super scared because I couldn't feel him as early because supposedly he was towards the back. Um, and I guess a lot of the weight was just like back there too. So like, I don't know what happened, but my back has been so achy and like the pain, it's not really even, I'm not going to claim it as a pain. It's more of just like the nerve sensations to mm -hmm. like my legs or like sometimes into like my pelvic region to the back of my knees. Like sometimes my calves will be tingly. Um, and I remember it's a funny story. Um, I was about like a couple weeks postpartum and I'm like, I didn't have a blood clot. And my boyfriend was like, what do you mean? I was like, my legs, they feel so numb and tingly. I was like, something's wrong. We have to go to the hospital. But the whole mm -hmm. time it was just like the sciatica nerve, the way it runs is like, it just is different, you know, depending mm -hmm. on what happened. And it was just my sciatica nerve. I took like a couple ibuprofens and I was back in the game, but I don't know what triggers it, um, but it comes and it goes. But I know like, during the whole pregnancy, I was like scared, like talking to my doctor, especially about the black um, mortality rate with mm -hmm. delivery. And thank goodness, I kind of was like happy that I'm in Atlanta, a very like, you know, African-American city. Um, it's diverse. Um, I gave birth at Emory Midtown. Um, so my OBGYN is like everybody's African-American, all mm -hmm. women. Um so my doctor, Dr. Whitney Langford, she was amazing. Um, she literally walked me through everything with that. Um, she was there 100% of the time. And it, I felt safe. Um, and I know that's kind of, not saying I wouldn't feel safe, um, mm -hmm. but almost everybody except for who gave me my epidural was a minority mm -hmm. and minority woman. Um, so I felt like a lot of care. Um, I also decided to keep my placenta because seeing a lot of stuff on social media about, you know, the hospitals wanting to keep it and, you know, how it can be sold on the black market from how, like all those theories and things. I just decided, right. I, just decided, <laughs> I mean, we'll, we'll talk about that, but keep going. <laughs> I'm keep trying to put it in the freezer. Um, what do you do with it? I'm curious. Encapsulated. Okay. Um, but that didn't happen. Oh, okay. <laughs> it was supposed to help with like postpartum to prevent postpartum depression mm -hmm. or yeah, I've heard uh, that hair loss to help your milk supply and like things like that. Um, so I was open to encapsulating it. Um, I had some client, she actually cut hers up and put it in a blender and made a smoothie out of it. I'm not that strong. I would never do something <laughs> like that. Um, so like I said, I've heard so many things. Um, some, um, yeah. Mine, she made hers into artwork um but I was like I definitely just want to keep mine um you know if I ever need it <laughs> we ever need it I have it um and like I said I felt safe um overall I felt like I was in good hands um just like even going through like talking me through things like I social media had me scared of Pitocin and needing to be induced um and I did need to be induced at one point I did become high risk so I was like so scared I was like oh I don't want epidural mm -hmm. you know they said I'm gonna have back pain but I was like I already have back pain so I'll care <laughs> but all those things in social media is just so I'm like 
unrealistic sometimes. Um, I feel like everybody has now has a platform to speak and share things that happen yeah. or they didn't. Um, just like now there's all these things about like moms don't let your kids get vaccinated and I'm like oh gosh like make it yeah. stop like, never ending or like right it's like one more thing to be afraid of one more thing to have anxiety about yeah like all oh, the toys have lead in it now and I'm like ah <laughs> so <laughs> it's just like it's just so much you know that you get from social media so really just kind of like Consulting your doctors and having doctors that you trust is so, so, so important. Um, and like having, you know, friends or clients or anybody, you know, who's nurses or has a medical background that you can like shoot questions to and not just be on Google and social media and TikTok and get your information from there. Right. Like there's it's on one hand, it's great, right? Because you have access to so much information and the bad part is you have access to so much information and how do you sort through what is accurate and how do you sort through what is inaccurate? And everybody has an agenda, right? Like that agenda needs to just align with yours. So for example, I have lady parts doctor. I have an agenda. My agenda is to make sure that people have access to evidence-based information that is not peppered with, um, opinions and just all kind like you information that's not subjective but you're right if I go and I have an experience let's say I don't know let's say I got an epidural and I had back pain since you use that example like I'm gonna go and be like hey don't get an epidural you might have that I mean I won't do this but someone would go and you know scare everybody about having an epidural I mean my first my first birth, I had a C-section, so I had to get a spinal, which is another type of regional anesthesia, which an epidural is. Um, and then my second, my second pregnancy, I was like, where's my epidural? I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then my third pregnancy, I barely got to the hospital and I was like, oh my God, I'm not going to have time to get an epidural. And I did it. Um, but I never had back pain. You know, those, like those it's, it's why it's so important to speak with people who are experts on the subject because they can really break down what the statistics are. And yeah. if 1% of people are going to end up with back pain after an epidural, that's one out of 100. It's not very many, like if you think of it like that. And so you're right, like everywhere you look and turn, someone's giving you their experience or you know some information. And it's hard to sort through a lot of that. Now here, I just have to let you know that that is not the actual statistic. I just made up a statistic to use as an example while we were talking. Okay, let's keep going. You know, as someone without a background, um, yeah. which is a hard thing about social media, because I'm sure you heard about all kinds of things that you would never know about because that wasn't your experience and that information didn't really pertain to you. Um, that just kind of made you anxious about Very. the experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, even like being like what they say about like the videos you see about, oh, I was so sick. I needed like IVs. I became dehydrated, you know, just during pregnancy. I was like, oh, my gosh, like like in the beginning, I'm like, I'm not going to be able to work. What am I going to do? Like and I'm like, OK, this is fine. Like I am not super sick as long as I eat, you know, as mm -hmm. long as I stay hydrated. I take my vitamins. I rest when I'm tired, you know, mm -hmm. and I just take it day by day. So 
definitely putting things into perspective and having your own journey and not just relying on social media. I feel like we're, we are sponges at the end of the day as like humans. And, you know, sometimes we just end up scrolling and scrolling and scrolling, but we don't always realize the impact that that actually has on us. And like some anxieties or triggers that it may stem or like fears, like a new fear is unlocked now. <laughs> right. <laughs> so yeah, I definitely I definitely hate that for us in our culture. <laughs> Ditto. No, I share the sentiment. Um, and I am I'm very happy that you were in an environment where you felt supported. And I think that's something that people take for granted. I feel like I would say women in general, not so much because women feeling unseen and unheard and feeling like no one really listened to what their concern was is seems kind of universal regardless yeah. of the person's ethnic background or race but with that said it seems to happen more often in black women women of color and there is something indescribable about being in an environment where racism and the possibility of racism is just removed and it's just one less thing that you have to think about. It's a big thing. And, you know, just being in a birth setting where you're like, of all the things that can happen, I don't have to worry that whatever yeah. my experience is going to be is because I'm black, you yeah. know, um, is very calming. And I will say like my, my first two births, I birthed with my colleague, like my colleague came in and birth, helped me birth my children. She did my C-section and then she was there for my vaginal delivery after my C-section. And my last pregnancy, which is, I had my, I birthed him like a year ago. He's like thir 13 months, almost 14 months. I was with another friend, but I saw all different people in her practice and her practice was made up of diverse practitioners. And I immediately, I became like, I had the experience like my patients had you know, where like, I don't know these people, I'm meeting them, but I don't have a relationship with them. And I have no idea who's going to be there when I'm in the hospital. And that was, that was a very kind of anxiety provoking experience. Like I know I knew the standard of care and I made sure that everybody knew that I was an OBGYN. So like, you weren't going to be having a conversation with me, not coming correct because I know, you know, what to expect, but that was still a nerve wracking experience. And ultimately everything was lovely. They took really good care of me. The whole experience was great from the physician to the resident, to the nurses, to um, the medical assistants that came in and took my vitals. But, you know, I can't imagine having that experience every single time that you're right. giving birth, you know, that's, just an extra level of stress on your pregnancy, on your birth experience that really just doesn't need to be there. So I'm happy that you felt supported um, and that you were able to find an environment with that and just have a good connection with your doctor because that's so important and not an experience everybody has. Yes. Now, with that said, because we've been talking a lot about pregnancy, just pregnancy is so interesting. What were your thoughts about motherhood before you became a mother? So my thoughts about motherhood before becoming pregnant, I I really wanted like a family. I always knew I wanted a family since I was like little. I knew I always kind of wanted multiple kids. I 
I thought with motherhood, I would, like I said, be in a certain space. You know, I thought I would be married. I thought I would, you know, be at a certain spot in my career. I thought I would be like a stay-at-home mom. Um, but I never updated, I guess, my motherhood, um, ideal motherhood, like as I got older. So some things kind of just became like, okay, this is kind of like fantasy, maybe something you see in a movie or like a show. Not saying it's unrealistic. It just, I didn't update it with my life and like my career and things like that. And so like, I always felt like with being a mother came like ease. I always seemed, I always deemed it to be easy, not easy, but not like, as difficult as not it as is. Stressful, yeah. <laughs> not as like, like hoodish, like the motherhood, like can be a little like <laughs> rocky and demanding. Um, you know, you can be a little frazzled sometimes. Um, I, I always just see it as kind of like fulfilling, I guess is the word, like peaceful, fulfilling. So, but I heard so many things on the outside that I'm like, I don't know what I think about it. And I was honestly scared because so many people, i.e. like my clients or like people I just came in contact with who are also kind of like on the younger side, they would be like, wait as long as you can to have kids or, you know, make sure you know who you're having kids with. And I know a fear of mine was to always just to be like a single mother, you know what I mean? And having mm -hmm. all dresses on myself. Um, so I feel like more so I had more so fears lined up with motherhood instead of like an actual vision. I knew what I didn't want it to be. So I had to stop right there and take a moment to address this point. Motherhood is a time as soon as you find out that you're pregnant and even more so after you become a mother and the baby comes into the world where your fear and anxiety level increase, where many times you will be anxious about things that you had never even thought about before. And it's a protective mechanism, right? You have this brand new little baby that you need to go out into the world and protect. But even when we're not pregnant, when it comes to a new experience, we can also have that same pattern of thought when something presents itself to us rather than think about, oh, these are all of the ways that it can be amazing and all of the ways that it can go right, we instantly go into fear mode about thinking about every possible situation that could go wrong and the worst possible outcome. So it's always good to check ourselves and allow ourselves to just imagine what everything could be like if it goes well. But I never really planned on what I wanted it to be in detail. Um, and I kind of stopped setting, I guess, like, I kind of stopped trying to envision life and having certain expectations. So I wasn't always as disappointed. Like, I've had standards, but I kind of took away a lot of expectations, especially once I found out I was pregnant and I started changing my views on motherhood. I kind of just wanted to take things as they were without having the expectations because I did suffer with anxiety and depression in the past, and I knew I was at a higher risk for mm -hmm. it postpartum. Yeah. 
It's great that Whitney knows this about her health and has the foresight to know that having a history of anxiety and depression increases your risk of postpartum depression and anxiety. Around one in seven women can develop postpartum depression. Postpartum depression most commonly occurs within six weeks after birth, and it affects about 6.5% to 20% of women. If you're interested in learning more about postpartum depression, I have an entire podcast episode devoted to the subject with Dr. Nicole Kumi. Go check that out. Now, this seemed like the perfect stopping point for our conversation. I have to tell you, this was a very long conversation. It was good. And I'm breaking it up into two parts just to make it a little easier for you to digest. So I hope you enjoyed speaking with Whitney Turner and myself. If you want access to her, you can find a link to her website and how to contact her on ladypartsdoctor.com. And she's pretty awesome. So please go connect with her and check her out. Now, connect with me too. I love it when we chat. I love it when we connect. And I want to know what that word was that you said at the beginning of the podcast episode when I told you or when I asked you what you thought about motherhood. You can connect with me. You can email drhack at ladypartsdoctor.com. That's D-R-H-A-C-K at ladypartsdoctor.com. You can DM me on Instagram if social media is your thing. I'm at LadyPartsDoc, L-A-D-Y-P-A-R-T-S-D-O-C. You can find me on Threads, Twitter. The YouTube channel is going to have some things coming up. I mean, there is a lot going on. You can connect with me in all of these places, and I really want you to. I really mean that. For first access to all of the things that I have coming up, that includes free guides, that includes courses. For first access to all of that, make sure that you are subscribed to the website and the newsletter uh, ladypartsdoctor.com. You can subscribe there. And I have a lot of things coming up. The holidays are coming. So I know now that you're hooked with this, I'm going to make sure I get that part two. It will be out next week, among other things. Don't forget to post your review of this episode of this podcast. If you're enjoying it, if you like what you hear, if you want to hear more, please leave a positive review with a comment wherever you are listening. It is reviews like yours that help us find our people, okay? It says to them, hey, you know they're gonna be talking about the things that you wanna talk about the way you wanna talk about them. With that said, we always end with an affirmation and the affirmation for this episode is, With every day and every experience, I am learning, I am growing, and I am becoming a better version of myself. With every day, I am learning, I am growing, and I am becoming a better version of myself. And you are becoming a better version of yourself every day. Until next time.